Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, it's, it's good to see you too. <laughs> it's really good to see you. And I want, I'm looking for my wife, Nell. We came in together, but I haven't seen her since. All right. Honey, come up here, would you, just for a moment. I want you guys to see Nell. Thank God for my wife. I just wanted you to see see Nell and I wanted to see her myself. <laughs> But I love Nell, and you know she's been such a partner with me in ministry across all of these years. And bless her heart, and there's a sense in which we've drug her all over the world. Uh, really, you know, in a lot of places we've served. Of course, uh, we served in Arkansas. That was my home home state and my home church. I, the first position I ever served in in a church was as the student pastor at the church where I grew up. And so we served there, and then we went to Mississippi and served uh, in a small rural church there, and loved that. And then God caused us called us to South America, and we served there for many years, then New York, then Virginia, and uh, now, of course, we're serving in Louisiana. And it's just been a wonderful, wonderful journey, and I'm thankful Nell was with me every step of the way. Definitely my better half, and I love you, honey. Glad you could be here tonight. Thank you for inviting me. I'm not sure from where the invitation originated. I don't know if it was Brian. I don't know if it was the brainchild of our existing staff uh, and our the pastoral search team. I'm not really sure. But ultimately, of course, to you, the church, thank you for inviting us back for this occasion, your homecoming. Uh, we are so glad to be here. I, I actually told our staff back in Louisiana, I said, I think I'm getting old. I think that must be what it is. Y'all know Derek Jeter retired from the major league, uh, his, his ball team, the New, York, uh, the New York Yankees. And everywhere he went, they did like a farewell, you know, glad you played in our stadium. And it's funny, this year, I'm not sure what's happening, but we've had three places where we've served. Ask us, would we please come back? We're, we're going to be here tonight. And we're going to be at the SBCV tomorrow speaking to the staff there. And then we're going back to South America the church, the very first church we were privileged to help plant is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. And so we're going to be back with them. So I think it must be that, that we're growing old. That must be what it is. But you know, of all those stints that I've described where we have served, the longest of them all was serving right here at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. We were members of this wonderful church for over a decade. Eight of those years I served as pastor. And so for us, there's a huge part of our heart here with you at, a stroom, at, uh, at Mount Pleasant. And uh, we love you. And believe me, we keep up with you. We, we, to a degree, as much as we can, we keep up with what the Lord's doing here at the church. And we're so thankful for social media and the portal that is into your lives. And uh, we, we cherish the ability to stay in touch. I really struggled with knowing what I might preach tonight. In fact, I was reminded when I heard all these preachers get up, and I thought, oh, no. Good night. They're giving every one of them a microphone. 
And I was reminded of a story I heard about this little boy. He went to a preacher's conference and, and the little boy went up and he sat on the front row and beside him on that front bench, there were a bunch of men. They were all well-dressed. They had on coat and tie and, and they got up one after another and they were preaching and the, the day just went on and on and on. And finally, the little boy, there was one man left sitting by him and the little boy tugged on his coat and he said, he said, hey, mister, are you going to stay till the bitter end? And the man looked at him and said, son, I am the bitter end. <laughs> And that's the way I feel tonight. I am the bitter end. I'm the last up here and I'm cognizant of the hour, so I'm going to be brief. But I really did wrestle with what I might share tonight and uh, I've gone back and forth because obviously I know that you're getting near calling a new pastor and I was tempted to focus tonight's message on how you ought to receive him and and serve alongside him and pray for him, etc. But you're going to have an opportunity for those types of messages as it draws nearer, so I did not go in that direction. Then I considered preaching to you what I've been preaching to the church where I now serve as pastor. I've been having a great summer. We have. I've been going through the New Testament looking at all of the what we call one another commands of the Bible. And you know there are a lot of commands that include that phrase one another. In fact, that term occurs 97 times in the New Testament. One another. And so you can pray for one another, serve one another, encourage one another, instruct one another, bear with one another, bear one another's burdens, and the list goes on and on. About 50 of those commands. But I thought I couldn't get it all done tonight, so I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Instead, I felt directed to something of what would almost be an autobiographical passage. And of all things, Brian read it as we open tonight's service. So if you have your Bible, turn then to Philippians chapter 1. And I'm going to be brief because I I want us to have time to fellowship as well at the end. The Apostle Paul here is writing to one of the churches where he served. I was reflecting on how long it was that Paul served there at Philippi. And I'm not sure that anyone can calculate to the exact day how long it was that he served there. But I'm going to surmise that Paul was with the Philippians for only a matter of weeks. It could be as much as three months that he was there. But you'll remember when he went into Philippi, he met Lydia down by the river and she became one of the early believers there. And then there was that slave girl possessed of a demon spirit and God blessed and she was liberated from that spirit. And then they were arrested, Paul and Silas put into the jail. And at night they were singing praises to the Lord and God shook the prison doors and set them free. And uh, shortly thereafter, they had to, in effect, flee the city. Uh, And and, uh, so they were there a relatively brief span of time. Yet Paul speaks to the Philippians with such affection. And I thought, I've never done anything greater than the Apostle Paul, better than he did, but, but I've been with you more than Paul was with the Philippians. And so what Paul says to the Philippians, I can say with all genuineness to you tonight. So with that, would you stand in honor of God's word and let's see what it was that Paul said to the believers at Philippi and what I would like to say to you tonight. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about you all since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains 
or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what's already happened this evening. To see these dear friends stand and proclaim your goodness. Tell the stories of what you're doing in these churches. Those that have been birthed in part because of the generosity and kingdom-mindedness of Mount Pleasant. Thank you, Lord, for the faithful brothers and sisters who have stayed in the saddle when the going's been rough. And Lord, I pray as much as I know how that the best days of Mount Pleasant for your glory will be just ahead. Lord, for your name's sake, we ask this. Amen. Please be seated. The Apostle Paul here, and I've read for you three paragraphs, and so I'm going to order my comments to correspond with those paragraphs. In these three paragraphs, Paul says, number one, you are in my head. You are in my head. Here's what he says in the opening verse we read. I thank my God every time I remember you. He was thinking of them. And I want to say to you, rarely does a day go by that you are not in my remembrance, that I don't think of you and the joyous times that we had serving among you and the blessings of God that were upon us and how you still are, are fighting the good fight for the kingdom. I do remember you. Paul remembered these believers who stood with him and supported him in his ministry. Now, why did he have them in his head? A couple of reasons. Number one, because of their partnership together. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you for our partnership together in the gospel. And we've already heard about the partnership that we have together in the gospel. We've heard about our partnership uh, in the world as we've gone to places like Slovakia and Colombia, Vietnam, India, even now the team that's in Africa, and then planted churches close at hand. And Mount Pleasant, one of the hallmarks of this great church is her heart for missions. And listen, don't forget that when you hear these stories close at hand, or even of members that we know personally, remember, you're supporting thousands and thousands of missionaries beyond these through your CP missions, and you're giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Those, those great initiatives are supporting stellar young church planters just like these you've heard. And so we're partnering around the world. And the other thing that we partnered in was the Word of God. And uh, I, I remember how it was that I first came to be pastor at, at, at Mount Pleasant. And only a few of you are going to remember this because you would have to have been here for many years to know this. But what happened was, back years ago, the churches of Colonial Heights used to get together for what was called the January Bible Study. And the churches would unite together. And Emmanuel, already mentioned tonight, our sister church, was hosting the January Bible Study. And Jerry Parker 
who's been on the mission field now for several years, was the pastor at that time. And we had actually served together in South America. And they were looking for a speaker for that year's January Bible study. And so Jerry, because we had been friends overseas, thought, well, I'll ask Jeff to come and be our preacher. How many of you remember that January Bible study so long ago? All right, there's a smattering of you. And as I preached the word of God to, to you and the others who had gathered there, pastor search team came and said, man, we, we are looking for someone who will preach the word of God to us. And I know that's been uh, the heart of our pastoral search committee as they've been out there looking for someone who will faithfully exegete the word of God and preach it to you. And so we partner together in the word and in the work. And I am so thankful for the partnership that we've enjoyed together across these years. The other reason you're in my head, the other reason the Philippians were in the head of Paul and his remembrances were because of the prospects still before them. He said in verse six, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I love the verse that was uh, referred to earlier. I think Doug cited it. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now I know that Mount Pleasant has been through some difficult times. In fact, let me just remind you in case you don't know this, Mount Pleasant went through difficult times while I was pastor here. I know some of you think, well, those were just, uh, those were good times and we didn't ever have a difficulty. We had difficulties when I was pastor here as well. And every church is going to go through her difficulties. You're going to have challenges that arise. But I want to encourage you with this prospect. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. God is not finished with Mount Pleasant Baptist Church yet. He still has great things that he wants to do. There's a famous castle that was built uh, many years ago. In fact, it was started back uh, right around the turn of the 1900s. It was built by a man named George Bolt, B-O-L-D-T, Bolt. He was the owner-operator of the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City. He was an extremely wealthy man, and he desperately loved his wife, Louise. And so he decided that he would take of his riches and build her a mansion that would be commensurate with his love for her. And so he began the construction of workers that were assigned to build this castle. It was built on an island, no joke, it's called Heart Island because of the shape of it. He, he bought it out in the, uh, the, the Thousand Islands region of upstate New York. And for years they labored at building this beautiful castle. But in 1904, they stopped all construction. He sent a telegram that the hammers were to go silent. And do you know why? It was because his wife, Louise, grew ill and died. And apparently his decision was that no one would ever inhabit that castle. It would forever be a memorial to her, though unfinished. When I hear that story, I think about the Lord's love, his bride, the church. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. His bride will never die. And he is constructing his church and it will go on, he says, until its completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And so, dear church, you are in my head. I remember you. But not only are you in my head, Paul said to the Philippians, you are in my heart. 
You know, it's one thing to have people on your mind. You can have them on your mind for a lot of reasons. You can be thinking about how you're going to get even with them and, and how you dislike them and, and how you resent them. You can have people on your mind for a lot of reasons. But Paul didn't just have them on his mind. Paul had them on his heart. He loved the Philippians. Look at what it says. Now this is verses, these are verses 7 through 9. It is right for me to feel. There's the word. Yeah, he had feelings. He loved the people. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me, God himself can testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. At least three times in that brief paragraph, Paul speaks about his deep affection for those believers in Philippi. And I've come tonight to say, I have you in my head. I remember you, but it's more than just in my head. I have you in my heart. I come to you tonight with the love of Jesus. How do we grow to love each other? We did it just like Paul and the Philippians did. We grow to love each other through trials. He says, even in my chains, you shared in the grace of God with me. They were allies of him in his difficult days. And we have walked through difficult times. And you, dear church family, I've watched from a distance as challenges have come your way. And I've come tonight to say to you, do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you faint not. You've been through trials and we'll go through them again. But that can serve, if we allow the Spirit of God to reign in our hearts, to knit us more closely together. That's what Paul and the Philippians did. In their trials, and why else were they in his heart? Because of the triumphs they experienced together. He said, you're with me not only in my chains, but in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You have been with me when we have seen God confirm the gospel and people come to faith in Christ and churches be planted and his mission and kingdom extended. And so I've come tonight to say, you're in my head, you're in my heart, but then finally, you're in my hopes. Look at the very last paragraph we read. It's verses 9 through 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I love what's happened already a couple of times, and we didn't, we didn't consult with one another, but the Holy Spirit, I believe, has been leading us. Several of the men have spoken about the, the past, the present, and the future. And did you notice that's exactly how these paragraphs are, are organized? He speaks of the past. He says, I remember. He looks back. Then he says, I have affection for you in the present. You're in my head, remembering you. You're in my heart in this moment. But then he says, I have you in my hopes. I am praying for the future yet to come. For what is he praying? At least two things. He says, I am praying that your love would abound. Now, I do remember that I preached from this passage some years ago. Not the whole of it, but this particular paragraph. One night here at Mount Pleasant, I preached on this text. I don't suppose any of you noted in the margin of your Bible that I preached here, did you? <laughs> oh, good, I can say whatever I want to say then. That's good. 
No, I, I entitled them. I remember the message. None of you do, but I do. I remember the message. It was entitled, Be an M&M Church. Be an M&M Church. What did I mean by that? Paul said, I pray that your love would abound more M and more M. Be, a, be an M&M church. Yes, you love each other. I know you love each other. We have our squabbles, and who knows, uh, we may even end up going to different churches from time to time. I, well, that doesn't happen in Colonial Heights, but that happens in other cities. <laughs> but, but I know we still love each other. There is still that love intact. And I think someday we're all going to get to heaven. We're going to look back on earth, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna say, what a bunch of knuckleheads we were. Just, we were, we were knuckleheads. I don't know what in the world's wrong with us. How did the Lord love us? How did the Lord put up with us? But he does, he loves us, and he births in us a love for one another. And I want to say to you tonight, the blessing of God will rest on Mount Pleasant to the degree that your love for one another abounds more and more. Didn't Jesus say, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Nothing undermines the cause of Christ more than believers squabbling with one another. And we're all guilty of it. And may God help us to enter a new day here in Colonial Heights. A new era where our love for one, one another abounds more and more. So you're in my hopes that this will be the case, that there will be an abounding love, and then lastly, there will be abundant fruit. Because abundant fruit comes from abounding love. The more we love one another and the world sees it in us, the more they are drawn to the Lord who taught us how it is that we're to love one another. Look at how the passage ends. He says, he speaks of this abounding fruit. Filled, this is verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I've come tonight to tell you three things. Number one, you're in my head. You never are far from it. Nell and I often speak of and pray for Mount Pleasant and these sweet sister churches that are here in this greater area. You're in our head, but I'll tell you something greater than that. You're in our hearts. We love you. Listen, if you've ever wondered before, you ha if you have a cheerleader, you do. Nell and I are cheering for you, for you. It may be from a distance, but we're praying God is going to give you a great, great future to come. And that's, that's the last thing. You're in our head, you're in our heart, but you're in our hopes. It's a living hope laid up for us. He's going to bring to completion that good work he began. Let's pray. God, thank you for the privilege that you've given Nell and me to be here on this night, this signal night, when so many friends, old friends, come back together again. And Lord, we pray there'd be no barrier between us. Lord, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all failed. And Lord, how we need to forgive each other and love each other and pray for one another. And God, we thank you for every church represented and pray your best blessings on them. Lord, how we need to reach this lost world. And I pray that the spirit that emanates from this passage would mark all of our lives. We'd have one another in our thoughts, in our hearts, and in our hopes. And that you, Lord, would bring them to fruition. 
We pray in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said,